Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message from our special guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. Title of the message today is Show Me Your ID. Show me your ID. We're going to start out the opening scripture that's going to go through this entire teaching is this. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. I will be reading from the New Living Translation, starting in chapter 10. And yes, for those of you who know, it's about the whole armor of God. We're not going to get into the whole armor, but we're going to get to what the result of putting on the whole armor of God does. A final word which means it's a powerful word. It's something to hold on to. It's something to hang on to. It says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. This is what I want you to hear. I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to hear it all, but pay attention right here but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not fighting against human beings. There's a spiritual warfare that is taking place that shows itself, that manifests itself through people, through the ways of this world. It's showing itself. The battle is showing itself through our activity, through our behaviors as human beings, how we treat one another, the state and condition of our nation, the state and condition of our people. The war, whether it's being won or not, is showing itself through the ways of this world, but it is a spiritual battle. It is an enemy that's working through people. It's the enemy that's working through this world, amen? So in order to win the battle, we have to understand where the fight is, and it starts spiritually. Well, if the war is spiritually, then it's going to take a spiritual victory to overcome the war. Amen. Amen. Therefore, verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm unwavering faith, regardless of the temptations of the world, what society is saying, what the society is preaching or pushing forward, no matter what hardship you go through, bad consequence you make, affliction that comes forth to you, and affliction is a choice that you didn't make, you had nothing to do with it, you will still be able to stand firm. Can you say amen? Amen. Today, we are going to discuss the power of embracing and owning our identity in Jesus Christ. I am going to go to the airport today after the service is over and we spend this amazing time together and I'm going to get in line and I'm going to tell them that I'm Tracy Strawberry. And you know what? They don't care. You know what they're going to say to me? Show me your ID. But I'm married to Daryl Strawberry, the baseball great and all this. They don't care. TSA doesn't care. The security of the nation really doesn't care. What are they going to say? Show me your ID. What's the point? What's the proof? I need to prove I am who I say that I am. I can say everything I want to say, but there's proof in the pudding, amen, if you want to put it that way. I have to prove that I am who I say that I am. The word identification means this. 
a process by which one assigns themselves the qualities or characteristics of another person. The, the terminology where it says assigns themselves means we have an option of what we are going to assign ourselves in manner of quality or value and truth that makes up our own identity. Number two, second definition is a sense of belonging to a specific group based on values and interests. Based on values and interests, if my identity, if I assign myself the biblical truth of the word of God, I'm identifying that I am a daughter of the king, I am identifying that I am a child of God, and the group that I associate with is the church of God because of their values and because of their interests that are based on the word of God. Number three, proof that I am who I say I am. Your identity, your associations. Family identity is a life anchor that will fasten you firmly, affix you and secure you if it is based on the truth of the word of God and your creator God. Being faithful to who created you. Meaning I have to accept that God is my creator. I have to accept that there's a truth, that there's an anchor that goes along with my creator and the creation in me from whom I was created. But there's another option. Or if based on your own ideas, concepts, opinions, which was me, which develop self-based truths, our anchor is never grounded, causing us to drift, dragging us out to sea, bouncing us around to and fro, going from here to there, being lost, being confused. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, that the enemy is the author of confusion. So if you are confused, the enemy is working on your identity. The enemy is working on the proof of who you are inside, which is revealed revealed by definition, our character, our values are being tested and are being challenged by the world. That means you're starting to embrace what the world is teaching you. You are starting to accept what you see in this world is for truth. You are adapting and developing your self-made identity in self, which is very dangerous. The truth that developed my character, many of you know because I've been to this awesome house, I've had the awesome privilege to be here several times, and my identity before I came to Christ was exactly that. I based it on my own opinions of who I thought God was, who I thought he was. I based those on my experiences, especially the bad ones. If God is such a good God, then why do these bad things happen? So I was already angry at God, but what happens is when the enemy's working on you, then you harden your heart. The Bible says you harden your heart. My heart got so hard that I couldn't even hear truth from a Christian. God loves us so much that he will place his sons and daughters in your life, opening up the door of utterance, which Pastor Vicki was so amazing in power today, where people open up the door and share Christ with you. I was so hardened that when a Christian came to tell me about the love of God or the truth of God, I was like, no, let me tell you about your God. Bible thumping, 
judging. You're going to tell me, get out of sin and how I'm, I'm going to live the way I want to live. I am me. I'm going to do me. I am me. Plus, you don't know me. You don't know my story. I was such a joy to witness to. I just... <laughs> my pain was expressing my, itself. My confusion was expressing itself. My torment, myself, was expressing itself, pushing the truth of the word of God away. My only regret is that I didn't come to Christ sooner. Is that because many times, family, you just have to make a choice not based on a feeling, but a choice that says because the Holy Spirit's going to draw you to God. He is just going to do it because he loves us that much. He's never going to let us go. A person's always going to appear. You're going to be convicted by the word of God. God is going to show himself to each and every person until the whole world hears. Because he is fair and he is just. And it is his desire that no one should perish. Not one. When I look at my past, it is a reflection of Judges chapter 21, verse 25. And that reads like this. In those days, there was no king, no ruler, no guide in Israel. And I don't have time to get into this story, but there's no king. So there's no ruler, there's no guide. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It says it again in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. Why I'm giving you Judges 17 and Judges 21, because in between there, there's chapters 19 and 20, but if you read the book of Judges, it's a hard book. You read about stuff that's unthinkable. Human beings doing to human beings what is just unthinkable. You can't even believe that a human being could harm someone or hurt someone the way that these things happened. And why is it in the Bible? Because it teaches us the severity of sin. The severity of sin when we are disconnected from God and we go off on our own way. And I went off on my own way and I didn't have King Jesus on the throne of my heart and I did not accept his, his law, his rules, his regulations. And I mean that in a great way. These are instructions. That's a much better word. These are instructions. This is identity. I refuse this as truth. I adopted a way that seemed right in my own eyes. My way was a struggle with addiction and alcoholism so severe that I lost custody of my own children because sin keeps growing. What you adopt as truth inside of you will grow. Whether it's good or bad, it's growing. It's alive inside of you. Sin is either alive inside of us or the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is constantly fighting the sinful nature within us if you allow the Spirit of God to win. The battle always continues. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Your feelings are not willing. They want what they want. I had relationships with girls. I had relationships with men. I had relationships with men and women together because I adopted my own way. And do you know when people go to these different relationships, they're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. We've got to get real and get down to the truth of why people are searching for what they're searching for. God created us to be loved. So if you don't adopt the word of truth, you're going to run everywhere trying to look for it. 
God created us to be free and to be accepted into his family and by him with our imperfections and everything. So we look for acceptance. We look for ways, different ways, different things. When Daryl and I got together, the man I'm married to today, we were living together. We were sleeping together. That's outside of the boundaries of God because the richness of the word of God was not inside of me yet. I had made a confession of faith, struggling with the commitment of faith because I was trying to get sin out of me in my own power, in my own way. You can't do it. It's impossible. Let me show you why. Let me show you what happens. So when we first come to Jesus, and I love this jacket, the sleeves. Thank you, Pastor Vicki. She blessed me with this whole outfit. She dressed me well, amen. Such a giver. You just can't outgive her. I had to sneak to pay for dinner to bless these guys. And I thought they were, I thought Pastor was gonna chase down everybody in the restaurant to thank. I was like, it was me. Don't go, don't go. I was trying to do something nice anonymously. It's hard to bless these guys. Pastors, you gotta work with us. Help us. My goodness. All right. Here, I'm gonna put these down because you know, y'all who know me, you know I'm pretty dramatic. So, very expressive. Amen. Okay, so when you first come to Christ, it's sin living in us, right? And even as Christians, we still fall short. It's no excuse to sin because grace is the power not to sin. So then I come and what I want and what I think, because I'm, I'm new, I don't really understand the word yet. I'm kind of struggling with the power of God thing and the love of God thing. So what I expect him to do, just deliver me out of it all. So what I'm thinking he's going to do is he's just going to empty that cup. He's just going to go away. Well, if I throw out this cup and it just all comes out like that, I'm going to be an empty vessel. The cup represents, represents us as his vessels. And what does it say in Matthew? That an empty vessel, that's not the God's way of doing it. And an empty vessel, it says that the enemy and his little friends and stuff come back seven times stronger than they were. So this is people trying to kick habits on their own without the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. This represents a marriage trying to be healed without putting the word of God first and the power of the word and the Holy Spirit and God's love into the middle. This is the, put whatever in here because ooh, it's all in there, just all. He died for all, right? It's in there, but how do we get set free? God is never gonna call you out of something without empowering you to do it. He's responsible for the power. He's responsible for the supernatural work that you can't do. He's responsible for it, and he tells us that in his word. He says, Tracy, everything that's in you, that's why people try to change themselves and it doesn't work and they think God doesn't work. This is how his word works. When you get the word of God, because God created us through his word, when the word of God is, believe it or not, it's already in us because we're gonna to get to Genesis and we're gonna read it that God created us in his own likeness, in his own image. So the truth is already in us. It's a question of whether we adopt it and adapt to it and agree with it. 
See, the Holy Spirit, you can, people know this word, but they don't agree with it. I must agree that it's true. Because when I open up this word and I agree that every word is true, then truth that is already in me becomes alive inside of me and alive inside of you. Now it's active. Now it's alive. Now it's working. Now it's transforming. Now it's changing me, setting me free. So this is how God works. The power of the Holy Spirit. Water representing the power of the Holy Spirit and the washing of the word. See, we want to be washed, but we're washed by what? The word. That's why it's not a sentence to get into the word of God. That's why it's so beautiful when you start learning that this is a conversation with God and its power and its direction and it's everything that he is. I want all that he is to be inside of me. I want greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world because I don't want he who is in the world. This is bubbling. This is active. This is going to town in here. So how do we get set free? We, spend, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. We spend time in the word of God. We get ourselves around our community of believers and we start to pray and we start accepting and agreeing that the word is true and we start confessing the word of God over my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, I thank you and praise you that you are the good, great, and awesome Father who is worthy to be praised. I thank you that I am forgiven. I thank you that I am whole. I thank you that I am healed. I thank you and praise you that your word says that you will break confusion off of me and torment. I thank you and praise you that by your stripes, I am healed and whole. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am new. Did you see that fizzing up? Have you ever heard the expression, the mighty work of God? His word is power. It's fully alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. So that means my responsibility is to bring my identity and bring my confusion and bring the falsities and bring the hurts and the harms and habits or whatever of this world. And I bring it to the cross and I say, Father, have your... This one's empty. We don't want that one. No way. That doesn't work either. So that's like a dry Christian. That's another sermon. Amen. That's a whole nother sermon. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Have your way in me. His way in me. Not my own way. I can't fix it. I can't deliver myself. I can't do it. He and only he. This is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord our God. Praise the Lord our God. Mm. Oof. The truth is this. We do not have the privilege of defining ourselves and who we are because that's already happened. Because God, our creator, created us and when he created us, he also defined us. He's a very intentional God. So when I look at the word of God and I go to Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 27, it reads like this. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God created you and me to be like him. And what is his image? Who is God like? There's none like him because he is perfect and he is powerful. He created me in his character. He created me with the greatest value. He created me with a plan in mind. He created me with goodness and greatness. Why would I not want to embrace that? 
why would I not? A loving God, he is my creator, my image and likeness. Not only does he create us, he gives us purpose, which brings fulfillment in your life. He says this, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. That means we have the power in him that the world should not rule and reign over us, but we have the authority to rule and reign over the world. We define what should be happening in the world, not the government, not the news, not this, not that. No, the word of God is... In me, becoming fully alive inside of me. My identity is in Christ. I witness and I fellowship with a body of Christ. That's my identity, my group, my family, my people. Can you say amen? Sometimes I have to stop to breathe. My identity in Christ. So God created human beings, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created us male and female for a very specific reason. Intentionally for a very specific reason. And when I look at what I had to do to adopt truth and change my entire way of life through the power of God and his way in the process of change, number one, the first thing I had to do is this. I had to accept that God is my creator. That means... Self cannot fix me. God created me. I can't create my life. I can't create my future. My future is in Christ Jesus. Number two, the second thing is this, that this word of God right here, this is what develops your your character and your identity inside is I have to accept and agree that the word of God is true And this is my living manual for life. That this is my identity. I want all of this on the outside to become all of me on the inside. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit and the word of God collide. There's a mighty work that is happening inside of each individual, inside of each marriage, inside of each destiny, inside of each dream, inside of each young person. You know, I had the awesome privilege. I was was sitting back in the green room there and I heard all these little feet running across the floor and this sounded like the ceiling was going to come falling through. I was like, that's a stampede of children of God running through because their parents brought them to church and they're in church right now and the truth is being poured into them before they get too passionate. Amen. And before they get too passionate to override what truth is, it just blessed my soul. They're being prayed over. They're being taught their identity young so their identity doesn't get confused when they're older. Amen. That's why we start them young. So they are molded in truth. Now what happens if you're like, my parents taught me, right? They raised me in the word. What does the word of God say? Word of God says, train your child up in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they shouldn't depart from it. Well, what happens if a child departs from it? We are responsible to fill them with the word of God. See, the child will depart from the word, but the word will never depart from the child. Come on. The word will never depart from your child. Oh, no. And the word is fully alive. And the word does not return void. And the prodigal son or daughter comes home. Come on, somebody. Because they put it in me, it brought me back. 
Never give up on your kids, never. And if you were like me, because I blew it, I lost custody of my kids, I never got them back, I got one of my oldest back when he was 16, and by the way, I'm restored to my kids, praise the Lord, because God is so good. Pray for your kids. The power of prayer. There's hope in every situation. So even if you blew it like me, my kids are coming to the Lord. You can't tell me that they're not. You can't tell me that they're not going to be saved. Come, come on, somebody. Tell a mama, a God-fearing mama, that her kids aren't going to make it. Let me tell you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because let me tell you what the Word of God says. Let me tell you about the God I serve. Let me tell you about the God who changed my identity and my wayward way. So I know whatever mess they're in, he will do the same. Because he is no respecter of his word. He is no respecter of persons because he is the same today, yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is not shocked by what's going on in this world. It's been since the beginning of time. The truth of the word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. This really inspired me as a young Christian, inspires me still today. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. This is when truth and love collide. Jesus on the cross is the greatest expression of truth because the mind can't wrap itself around such a victory that conquered such evil. As he was hanging on the cross, that work was finished, but his life wasn't finished. It wasn't over. The victory was secure then. I'm getting too excited. I can't even have this on anymore. Amen. That's why it was so bloody, the walk to the cross. It's like an expression of judges. It's like an expression of sin. Jesus, his walk to Calvary, he took it all. He bore it all. Everything that's happening, whatever's going on, he didn't drop one sin off at Calvary. He didn't get, forget one person in Cal- on the walk to Calvary. He just didn't. He paid it all. That's why it was so gruesome. But the story doesn't end there. He was crucified so we could crucify our flesh and our own opinions and our worldly views. We crucify them at the cross. We bury them and then we rise again into the fullness of a new person. The resurrected life. Praise God. Woo, it's a reason to shout. If I wasn't preaching, I'd be running around this house. The ushers would probably bring me out. Woo. So I ask yourself, What do you call yourself? What do you name yourself? What do you label yourself? What is the confession of your identity? See, because the enemy, one of his greatest weapons is to come in and attack our identity. Because if he can attack your belief in that God created you, and if he can attack the word of God, then he's got you, right? If he can strip this away from you and this is not your identity, you're open up for any, anything, anything. The devil has full permission to come inside of your life. But see, 
when we turn ourselves over to Christ and we embrace our identity and the enemy, we push him out and accept Christ in. We sang about it on that song. It talked about God asking for our heart and there's kind of a line in there where, where it expresses like, mm, it's, I'm kind of given a hesitation. That was me for so long. I knew God was calling me, but I hesitated. I wouldn't fall into the word of God. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't obey. But see, we are supposed to be one nation under God. And a nation is made up of people. So once I get my life right with Christ, and notice if we keep pouring this in, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, there's going to be an overflow. This represents the individual person. This represents those closest to us. The way you live your life, the choices you make affects others. And then it spills out into an entire nation, an entire nation. If I'm just responsible for me, there's going to be a nation, national impact. Praise the Lord if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be in God. One nation under God. Here's a powerful example of this illustration in the book of Daniel. And we're going to close with this. I'm not going to give you the whole story. But in the book of Daniel, in the beginning of chapter 1, most of us know the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they get thrown into the fiery furnace that's turned up so high to make sure that they're obliterated, right? To make sure that they're gone and wiped out, that their God isn't true because they have the right identity. They know who they are, which means when you know who you are and you're following Christ, you can stand firmly in the word like I opened this up with in Ephesians. Even death will not scare you. So I'm talking about temptation unto death. So think about any temptation in this world. Think about anything. You have the power to overcome it unto death. And they throw them into the fiery furnace. And guess what? God is in there with them. He delivers them out. And even the king gets saved. Woo! Preach until the influence gets saved. And how we do that strongly is more by how you live. Here's the power of example in Daniel chapter 1. See, Daniel comes and he has his friends. And we note these other three gentlemen, Daniel set aside because he went through his own trial and took his own stand and took a stand for prayer, wouldn't worship the idols. But see, these three guys, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the ones that went into the fire. But here's where I want to get theological with you. Because this is going to explain a whole lot. When King Nebuchadnezzar came in and took Israel and, and held them captive, he chose these four men because they were men of intellect and they were men of stature, not of money, but they were strong because the men had the power of influence. Men, that's why we need you. So the power of influence is in them and the power of influence is just as much as women, but we need us both. So the power of influence is in them. He summons them and the first thing that a king would do in tradition, which was customary, was change the names of the captives. Change the names of the captives. Why is this so powerful? Daniel, his Hebrew God-given name and identity means this. God is my judge. God is my judge. And that's good news. In Christ Jesus, that's good news. Because in Christ Jesus, we are not condemned. But they changed his name, the Babylonian name, the meaning of his name, they changed it to Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar means this, lady, protect the king. 
So why is this so significant? You see the shifting, you see the adrifting, you see the falling away from God. Think about society, think about our daily lives. They try to change him from male to female, from the focus on God to the focus on man, all-powerful God to a focus on, now we have a weakly king who needs a man to protect him, but worse than that, changing his gender from male to female. They're talking about a man, a, a human being, king, God, that has to protect the God. Reliance on self, enslaved, meaning no longer that God is not our protector meaning we're looking for others or the government to protect us or others to protect us. You're looking for something else other than the God Almighty that we serve to protect and keep us. Spirit of confusion. Number two, Hananiah. Hananiah is who they named Shadrach. Now, Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Mm, Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach means I am fearful of God. Spirit of fear comes in. I told you this was a spiritual warfare that's going on since the beginning of time, since the Adamic nature came in through Adam and Eve. God's not surprised by what's going on. The enemy's not up to anything different. He knows everything that's happening, and he's still sitting on the throne. Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Gracious, loving God, we go from a gracious, loving God to a God to be feared, focus on, focus from God to a focus on self once again, that God is a harsh God, that he's a punishing God. It, you see, it takes our ability away from us coming to God. Yeah. Number three, Mishael. Mishael means, who can compare my God? Who can compare to my God? No one. He is good, he is awesome, he is wonderful, and no one can compare to him. They change his name to the Babylonian name, Meshach. I am despised, humiliated, and despicable. Focus on God to focus on self, a focus from confidence in Christ and who we are in Christ to a cowardiceness. Why is the spirit of cowardice so important? that we understand what it means because it means the bravery has left. It means we can no longer stand. It means we're gonna fall to the false idols of these Babylonian gods, the pagan gods that have challenged our God forever and we fall and society falls and we fall into the lie and we start embracing the lie as individuals and we see the expressions in our society today. Azariah. Yahweh has helped and rescued, recognizing God is savior. This nation can't save itself. We can't save ourselves. The government can't save us. Jesus is the savior. <laughs> Our morality, it's bigger than morality. It's biblical principles. It's Christ-centered character that's gonna save us. And boy, why wouldn't we want it? The love of God, my God. They change his name to Abednego, the servant of Nebo. Nebo is a pagan Babylonian god of wisdom. So all biblical truth gets stripped away. 
Everything, wisdom, read about it in Proverbs. With, get wisdom, right? She's the poor, I don't have time. Wisdom is so important. Wisdom, knowledge, truth. On the rock in which we stand, our firm foundation on truth, our firm identity in Christ, amen. These guys were so firm, they didn't accept these names. They didn't accept the attacks because the second thing the king did was try to seat them at his table, which seems like um, such an honor. He's like, come sup with me. But it wasn't God. The next thing he tried to do was try to get them to eat food that was dedicated to pagan gods. And they wouldn't do it. Because what? God comes after, God comes after the whole person, right? He takes control of our urges. He takes control of our body. We are the temple. Are you a temple of the most high God? The body represents the temple. What you put in it is what you house. What you put in it is how you're going to behave. What you put in it is what you're going to agree with. What you put in it is who you're going to become. What you put in it is how you're going to stand or how you're going to fall. Mm. This is where the spirit of lies, deception, and death is created. We go from the focus on the Son of God as God is our rescuer who provided a Messiah to being our own help, our own rescuer. Man becomes a slave to man based on their own opinions. They don't have King Jesus on their heart. Therefore, they go into their own ways and we see the spirits that have been created since the beginning of time. God is, nothing, God is not surprised by any of this because that's the bad news, but the good news is the church is fully alive. Come on, somebody. His church is alive. The word of God is alive. Jesus Christ, our savior, is alive. Amen. Amen. He's changing, transforming. He's saving. He's sending. Will you go? The solution is right here for us. The solution is right here for us. What a mighty God we serve. There's power in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, our creator God who came away and conquered sickness in the grave and the boast of sin and all of it. He conquered it. Can you praise him with me? Can you praise his holy name? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.